0: Welcome to the afternoon edition of Aaron Collins. <laughs> the sun's still up. It's time to party. <laughs> it's like one o'clock my time, two o'clock your time.
1: We may actually be awake as opposed to when we do this late at night with us old guys. Right. Um little little known fact, I am asleep during half of each episode. <laughs> 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 I wake up and I'm just like, yeah, records, whoa. Bird, wake up, man. Yeah. We're recording. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. <laughs> That's funny. Yep. Uh, um, so, this week we're going to talk about uh, Eddie Van Halen. Yep. Why not?
1: R-I-P-E-V-H. That's right. We've been, uh, I think, poking around at the idea of... I think originally the idea was well before any of the 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 badness had happened. Yeah. We were going to do a, a little... Best Worst Bands <laughs> segment on band Halen. I feel
0: guilty doing Best Worst Bands. I don't know why. Yeah, I, yeah I, that's fair.
1: That, um, after that
0: Aerosmith one, I felt bad. I don't know why. <laughs> Is that
1: weird? Uh, probably not. You're probably just <laughs> a better human being than I am. <laughs> no. no I'm, just, uh, I'm just slagging on a bunch of millionaires. Leave me alone. Right, right, right. Uh, but... Uh, instead i thought it might be fun to have a little uh reminiscence because i feel like van halen regardless of what you think about them yeah probably a band that has at some point uh it sounds cheesy to say it has like touched your world or your musical orbit if you're into music at some point in a way that's probably pretty big because yeah. they were pretty big yeah um, so it might be fun to, you know, just talk about the old, uh, EVH for a minute, give them a little, uh, Aaron calling send off, I guess.
0: I feel like
1: there's a generational band. So like, uh, absolutely.
0: there's obviously folks that are older than me that worship them, but then there's yeah. sort of myself that missed a lot of, uh, cause I mean, you know, Van Halen, proper the first album right. came out you know february 1978 so yeah. that's the year i was born so right uh, and they're like 78 79 80 you know what i mean so right. for me um you know it's interesting they la- they sort of lasted so long that you there's i th- i would say two to three generations of people that that they touched you know as an active band and then i think it's fun for newer fans to get into it because you're kind of like where do you start right <laughs>
1: you know exactly yeah if yeah, you've yeah.
0: never heard van halen before like and you pull them up on a uh, streaming service which is what's interesting about today's sort of modern music consumption if you're like 12 and you want to get into van halen you say oh i'm on a- apple or spotify and here's their essentials playlist at some point you're gonna realize there's different people singing
1: right <laughs> <laughs> this sounds different why yeah. does that sound different?
0: Yeah, right. and right, that'll right. that'll probably throw you for a loop.
1: Um, yep. Like what?
0: What like where? How did you get into them? Because mine is not cool at all. But that's just because I'm you know a <laughs> sheltered, you know, Alabamian that didn't didn't exactly. I didn't have an older brother giving me cool stuff or anything
1: like right. that. Right. So Nor not did I. That you did Nor either. Did I. Not that you did um, either. But, but uh, you had parents that were hip. <laughs> <laughs> right, they were into some rock and roll things. Yeah. I we never Van Halen never came up in the house though, strangely. Yeah. Um but I remember, I mean, I distinctly remember we moved to Florida when I was like in first grade for just like probably a year, I think. Mm. Uh it was like a par- parental job change thing. And uh I remember you know MTV, this is probably 82, 83. So maybe it's 84 because I guess, yeah, because I because this story hinges on 1984, the album being out. So, um, they were hitting their stride about the same time, not about at the same time, uh, MTV hitting his stride and uh also michael jackson and all those things so like they're like intertwined like thriller in 1984 like intertwined for me and my memory as like yeah. just this one giant blur of and moment of time but i definitely remember uh seeing you know the crazy david lee roth antics in the jump video um and and just as a kiddo being like, wow. Because I would have only yeah. been like six. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. But I'm just like remembering, you know, I can remember like, wow. And it, I don't know, you're in South Florida. We were in Fort Lauderdale. So it's like he kind of looked like people who lived in South Florida. <laughs> <laughs> like it was like it, there was like a connective line. But I also remember then because MTV was becoming a bigger thing, like seeing I didn't understand this, that there were videos that were made before that for promo purposes that then MTV was showing. So, like, later on, just a little bit later on, you'd see, like, older Van Halen videos of them, like, playing live. And that was, like, some of the first stuff that I remember seeing of anybody playing music in front of huge crowds. Like, you know, these giant, like, stadium-sized rooms and, like, all the lights and fire and and (laughs) whatever they were doing. And it just seemed like those guys seemed to be having the most fun human beings had ever had playing music. (laughs) Like they just looked like, yes, that is awesome. Um, But yeah, that was kind of, so 1984 era, I mean, much like I think people of our generation are, that's probably a lot of, where a lot of us got into it if not just a little bit later but yeah i remember the first time i saw them was i was at a friend's house like
0: after school one day like before the parents got home and he had mtv on and yeah um, but it was a live concert and it was sammy hagar so this yep. must have been like fifty-one fifty, because you remember yep. like when they had hagar there was a lot more like I think he had like short blonde hair and he was yep. like always wearing like neon and I, that's mm-hmm. what i remember the most like
1: i felt like baggy pants it, yeah <laughs> david lee roth
0: was always the like uh how do you say it he was more of the kind of like zeppelin looking guy right and sammy Yegart yeah. first was just more of that 80s yes uh, out there you know neon more visual uh you know for mtv kind of uh kind of thing but um right but yeah and then of course you know from there you you know you see all the videos i would say 1984 is probably most definitely
1: like when uh, a lot of people probably got on board um yeah i mean that record is pretty much unstoppable (laughs) yeah (laughs) there is a there is a couple of different like just runs on that they're like yep that's those are hits all right like you know i think it's only got like eight or nine songs on it and four of them are singles so it's not it's not a bad average (laughs) (laughs) no um i was watching
0: uh i was watching this video with eddie van halen on it was mtv sort of it was no way it was edited because it just kind of kept going but it was a tour of his home studio Oh yeah, and one of the interesting things um, was how he built this home studio, and I guess he couldn't get the zoning rights, so he just made it look like a racquetball court. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, and was able to get it approved that way. But the it was so interesting watching him walk around and sort of show how much control they wanted to have over that process and if you're thinking you know i don't i didn't see the date of the video but that was you know i think most bands were still you know i think he said they made eight albums there so most bands were still going and you know spending you know six months in a studio somewhere you know um and you know or six months to two years you know depending on the band and and making records that way so but it also kind of – he's walking around, and he, and he he walks by this guy, and he's like – I forget his name. He's like, hey, Steve, and the guy waves, but he has like a soldering iron in his hand. You know what I mean? And he was like, <laughs> this is like my uh, genius, you know, electrician, whiz, can fix anything guy. Um, and then he shows a wall of guitars, and he was yeah. showing how he basically taught himself – how to fix stuff. And he was like, a lot of these guitars I just broke in the process, which I obviously yeah. found pretty interesting. And he was showing one of his first guitars, how he, you know, I think he accidentally soldered like the pickup direct to the tone, you know, something like that. Yeah. He, he, he did it wrong, but in the way that he did it, it worked. So he just used it. And then everyone was like, how do you get that tone or whatever? And right. it was just by accident. Cause he didn't yep. really know what he was doing. And so, I thought it was interesting and I guess he has a patent on file for that uh that sort of invention that goes up underneath the body of his guitar so he can set it up and like double tap on it,
1: you know? Oh right. Yep, yep, yep yeah, yeah. Yep.
0: It's like a US <clears> patent and then there's like this drawing of him like with the total like patent (laughs) drawing but he's got this like metal face like he's making the guitar solo like
1: the 80s hair metal like guitar solo face in the photo yeah yeah i mean i think that's the thing about that guy is like you think of him as like this sort of bigger than life i mean he was but like that's what you think of him as like the guy you see in the videos and then you start reading into him and like stuff that he did like all his frankenstrats and all that which are all you know those are guitars that he, you know, did all his mods to himself. Yeah. And like you pointed out. And I mean, there was one that I think they sent to like was it the Met uh Metropolitan yeah. Museum of Art. Like that's yeah. the the original one that he like did all his stuff to. And it's got like a quarter um drilled into the bridge because yeah. it was like a shim. And all this, like, it's not perfect at all, but that's, like, that is the re- the guitar that, like, he played, you know, the first, like, three records on, I think, or yeah, something like that, yeah. if not more. And that whole, like, tone pot straight-to-pick-up thing, that's, like, now that's a mod that, like, they sell kits for. <laughs> yeah. <I bet. laughs> it's, like, that's a thing that, like, people do because, you know, they want to sound like him. But he was just yeah. kind of this, like, utilitarian guy who was, like, man... I just, I want to figure this thing out. I mean, somebody had a picture of his like pedals, his pedal board up. That oh, was like, can't imagine. it's like, f- it's like seriously like four pedals. And they're still like, this was at the height of popularity. They're like duct taped on. There's like, <laughs> there's like arrows pointing to tell him where everything gets plugged in or out. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like what I would do for a pedal yeah. board, you know, but, yeah. and he was like, you know, making it however many, Dollars a day yeah. at that point he still like got that that's the thing like the cables are crappy <laughs> it's like he's he's like one step out of just the the gigging guitar guy <laughs> totally
0: agree i um here's another weird question for you yep genres are pretty much irrelevant in our time now sure but- I always feel like people try to pin them as like a hard rock or kind of like a metal band even, like you know, right. kind of in that era. I right. think they were just a pop band.
1: I saw somebody write I think it was in the New York Times there was like a write up and they were like they were at best a pop metal band. Yeah. Um I But think, not cheesy. I right. mean I, right. there's some costuming
0: things that sure. you know, I mean flying on the the jump video can find itself <laughs> cheesy at times, right. but for the most part, you know, uh, a lot of that is just the visual aspects to keep people, you know, tuned in so that they'll watch and, it cocaine. and go and go bite. It. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't forget that. Very important. Yeah, in the, that's a good point. In the formula. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I think, yes, I think they were basically a pop band. And yes. I think if. But I also think on the other hand, you don't have what we came to know as hair metal without them being who they are. Because as this person was writing, it's like they looked and sounded like the Sunset Strip. Like, yeah, they they were like the quintessential like California band. Like, yeah, you saw them. You're like, that's a California band. You know, much less the fact that David Lee Roth probably mentions California like 200 times (laughs) in different songs. But like. And and a lot of that, you know, a lot of the what became known as hair metal is and was based around the Sunset Strip, you know, and became very much a California thing. So I think they they helped, you know, create that for sure. But I don't think. I wouldn't say they're a metal band. I don't think Eddie Van Halen would be like, yeah, we're a metal band. Yeah. <laughs> I think they gave a, a melodic sense to metal for sure. That wasn't there before and made it feasible for a band that plays. What is not, you know, not at the time it wasn't uh classic rock because it wasn't old yet, but what we consider now classic rock, like an avenue to exist. Like, cause you know, Zeppelin was Zeppelin. Sure. But Van Halen wasn't really like Zeppelin either. No. Like, and that's what they that, were but close. You, think, you but... think about like the name Van Halen and a lot of
0: their <laughs> right. imagery and, you know, you think right. about, you know, ultra conservative parents worrying about what their children are listening to based on the imagery. And then you hear, like, dance the night away. (laughs) It's like, well, this isn't any worse than, like, a, you know, a a Barry Manilow jam at its finest. You know what I mean? It's just an upbeat,
1: catchy song with great guitar playing. Yeah, it's like one of those things, like, if you took, I've always felt like if you took all the distortion off of the guitars, like, what would you have? And you would have well-crafted, pop songs i mean i agree um you'd have you know you would have a pop record which i feel like they kind of indulged more after sammy hagar was in the band i think i think they started definitely pushing the envelope towards like more pop production and more yeah but i think all bands did at that time i mean you look at like (laughs) you look
0: at like cheap trick with the flame you know what i mean <laughs> right or, right right i think all all bands sort of went through that stage where if you had a couple of strong ballads and a video yep. to go with it you could sell you know a few million records at least and right. have very successful tours you know aerosmith. Like, it, yeah aerosmith <laughs> example uh well, we're not gonna talk bad about him because i feel nope. guilty but um right. But I think there was sort of this interesting philosophy of how to make a record, which was, I remember growing up, every first song that was sort of introduced by a band, this is even in like the nineties when it was alternative or grunge or whatever, it was always sort of the kind of in your face, catchy single that came out like two months before the album. But then yep. right before the album, it was always right before it was released. There was always a really strong ballad or much. Yeah. More mid tempo, and you think about all the bands that broke that way, whether it be even for us, you know, and then you know, but like an REM or Red Hot right. Chili Peppers or Stone Temple Pilots with plush. I mean, all those yep. bands broke with um, with ballads, and you know, a band I think like Van Halen and Sammy Hagar were sort of like, cool, yeah, like here's dreams. Good luck. Right. <laughs> okay. right but like right. when that song comes on the radio, I love it. Like it reminds of me course. of being at the pool. You know, yep. it's like yep. swimming outside and there's like everything about it. And like
1: watching I, I mean, the video with this, the blue angels. The, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it, but I would say probably the first Van Halen album I ever bought was for unlawful carnal knowledge. I mean, think oh, about nice. how big they were at that time right. it was like Right Now and Right. Um, I think they had like that Pepsi commercial or whatever. Yep. I mean, they were huge and when you when you're getting into a band with a long lineage as you know you just sort of start at the at the moment and then you work your way backwards and then it was like oh wow this is all you know absolutely great and amazing but um yeah like it, it it feels weird to say that but um right um but that's just sort of how weird that they did i think for all of eddie van halen's sort of genius uh, musical abilities or tinkering abilities. I think he sort of countered that with his maybe uh, internal management abilities. Right. <laughs> in, in terms of uh, keeping a, a, a singer employed. Um, right. You know, although I don't know that anyone could really keep David Lee Roth on a, um, on a leash, but um, right but there was definitely those times when they were going back and forth and there was a lot of conflict where everyone just sort of seemed like a jerk, but I don't really think he was that much of a jerk. You know what I mean? I think he was just over it. And I think he was tired of answering the questions about the singer when really, you know, it was sort of him and his brother, you know what I mean? It's sort of their band, you know, it's like, uh, you know, we'll find somebody, you know? Yeah. Um, now, Gary band carries my name. may not have been the right guy.
1: But... Right. Well, there is an interesting, I didn't know this until a couple of years ago. There is an interesting movie documentary thing that somebody made. There was a guy, I can't remember his name, but you can look this up. The whole thing is on YouTube. Um, there was a guy who was flown, who basically was like one step away from being the guy after Sammy Hagar and um it apparently it was like this well-known thing i guess if you were in the know around the crew of whatever um but they like he like went out there he sang with them they like put him through his paces and all this and he apparently nailed it and was going to do the thing and then for whatever reason they went with gary sharon and so it's always been a like it was always a thing of like what if that guy would have been the guy? Would because he was more like a David Lee Roth than yeah. Sharon was? Like, because yeah. everybody knows like the Sharon thing was like we're gonna keep continue this like grown up Van Halen image thing and like yeah. you know be a, an adult band or whatever. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, did that work? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> it was also a weird time
0: to release a Van Halen record, right? Because that Absolutely. was. God, what was that 90 hold on i'm looking right now because there's no way i would know this on top of my head right 95 um, wow yeah i mean think about 1995 i mean you're coming um this is gonna be the smartest thing i've said all day but you're coming straight out of 1994 <laughs> it's true it's true you are absolutely
1: coming out of thank you and uh <laughs>
0: 94 is one of those years that everybody points to which is a sort of the height of like 90s where you've got yeah. in terms of popularity you've got um you know you've got your like notorious big you've got tupac yep. you've got all these great hip-hop albums also not on the flip side of that you know your rock bands are more in the vein of you know, back to what I was saying earlier: Stone Temple Pilots, or yep. Red Hot Chili Peppers,
1: or um, like Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam, the antithesis extent. of Van Halen. Yeah, and then
0: it's like, boom! Here's a Van Halen record with the lead singer of
1: Extreme. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who, I by remember boy,
0: only got popular because of More Than Words. Going Correct. back to the formula. <laughs> yes,
1: I remember going, moving to DC, and that record. That record was like. I guess that video was that like video. No, and around and like I was crawling like
0: crawling through like snow or
1: something. Yeah. So I remember weird. there was like much conversation amongst us blue tip dudes about like what was happening. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, what is going on? Cause those guys were like 10 years older than me. And so they had a connection with Van Halen that was different than my connection. And, they're just like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's happening. This is, yeah. this is, this is oh, wait, No, no, no. So I'm wrong, actually. Sorry. Um, was it a little bit later than 95? Yeah,
0: 98, 98. Mm. Sorry. 95 was yeah. balance. Sorry. That makes sense. Yes,
1: yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, I now, forgot I was thinking about balance. 95 was
0: right. So let me, let me, let me just rewind this. Let's do some more real quick. So in 1998, <laughs> you're coming right out of 1997. Oh, man, is... like a,
1: like a shot. <laughs>
0: But ninety eight, you are right. That's worse. That's like Britney Spears from oh, right. like NSYNC sync era, right? Like right. you're getting close to sort of that two thousand turn where you know MTV goes straight into like Carson Daly, and you know it's you know more. Smash just Mouth pop.
1: was huge in nineteen ninety eight. <laughs> if that gives awful. you any idea of where we're at, <laughs> like Smash Mouth was like at the pinnacle. Is this
0: when the Offspring started like doing a uh, pretty fly for a white guy? I think like so. That. I they think it's like right in there, ninety-seven, right, ninety-seven,
1: ninety-eight. <laughs> That's like that moment. Like what is happening with the world? <laughs> Wait, ninety-eight.
0: Would that have been uh, no?
1: Chumbawamba. When,
0: when, <laughs> when does when does Limp Bizkit come into the picture? I
1: feel like they ruined everything. Ninety eight or ninety nine, I think, right? You think so? Think yeah, so? I think ninety nine might be the the beginning. I mean, Oof. as far as everybody knew, like I think they probably <laughs> Jacksonville was already oversaturated with them before <laughs> before the rest of the world was. Their
0: their biscuit was already limp. <laughs> yes. Very limp. Okay, so ninety eight, yeah, that's a rough time to release. I think it would have been a rough time to release a Van Allen record for right. Even a no name guy, you know. I mean you look at you look at what a band like and not to compare Van Halen to Journey, but you look at what a band like Journey did, which is basically and I think this is sort of where things change in the music industry where you get away from being a band that sort of makes new records and you're just a band that just tours a lot and you yep. just find the guy that sounds like everyone <laughs> and you just put them in there and everyone right. comes out and sees it because they love seeing you, you know? Um, yep. you know, I don't know how long that would have lasted, but, um, yeah, I think that they were, you know, you know, they only did, they really only made like 12 records. You know what I mean? Right. So, there's a lot of time between those records, so it's, I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting to think about uh, having just some guy like just some regular right. Joe that's just nailing it, you know, like Mark Wahlberg and uh, <laughs> <rock star laughs> or whatever, right? Right,
1: right. So, do you have uh, do you have a favorite Van Halen Jam? Ooh, Is just it, song, yeah. Like, do you, you have one that you're like, man, if I'm gonna put on one, it's gonna be Dreams or. Not to put that one in your head, but um, so are you talking about love? Oof, it's goody.
0: There's one more. Um, I'm I'm kind of scanning songs here because I uh I can't think of it top of mind. Um, and the Cradle of Rock's a great one.
1: Yep. Yep. Early. You're an early man. Yeah,
0: but, uh, oh, uh, Unchained is, like, my favorite one.
1: Yep, great. Great answer. (laughs) Yeah. To me, it's the only actual answer. Yes. (laughs) That is the... And do you want to know what got me into that song?
0: This is so sad. But, like, what made me realize how great of a song it was is I heard a live version of Pearl Jam doing it. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, man, that's just, like, you know when another great like just performing band like another great live band does a classic song and right. they do it so they do it well enough to make you appreciate that song like yep. that was that was what it was for me I was like oh man yeah you know yeah. what i mean like i was like i got to go
1: back and listen to that um over and over and over you know yeah that is unchained and then panama are my two jams which are basically brother and sister songs because panama is almost like unchained just tweaked a little bit but unchained is like the one the one true song (laughs) and uh it's so good yeah and 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 the thing is like it connects on i mean all those songs to cheesily sound like somebody talking about music it connects on all the levels because it's like If you're not paying attention, it's just a straight ahead, like rock and roll jam. But then if you're like listening, like, you know, as a musician type or a drummer like myself or whatever, uh, there's like tricks that they throw in there. Like the beginning is in a is in a weird spot. Like it doesn't come in like right on the one. It comes in in a weird place. And like it's like they're doing all these weird things to keep it interesting. But it's also just a great rock song. Like Yeah. Do you know what other song I really kind of like? Like, if I hear it on the radio, like,
0: it definitely gets turned up. Hit me. <laughs> can't Stop Loving You. Mm, <laughs> yeah.
1: Can't Stop Loving You.
0: It's just yep. got that, like, uh, you know, like, Desmond Child feeling yep. rock type song. You know what I mean? Where it's just right. like your... It's like in your, like, Bon Jovi pantheons of, like, you know, right. just catchy sing along. Uh you know, once you hear it, you're like, oh yeah, that's a
1: jam. And then it's right. you know,
0: it's definitely not worth going out and buying a, a copy of Balance for. But right. um, but it's fun.
1: You know, it's right. Fun. I was <laughs> hoping you were gonna say pound cake. So what's funny is recently I found a copy
0: of like for unlawful carnal knowledge, whatever. I so I, yeah. I had the CD, right? So I put it in and I was like this song is so dumb. <laughs> it's so dumb. But remember, the big thing with that record was he was playing with a drill. Yep, that was like the big thing, and yep. I can I can never get that out of my head. And yep. I feel like that's just how it starts, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. it starts with pound cake, like yeah, so cheesy and like <laughs> such bad double entendres but you know baby's by... love is pound cake <laughs> it's
1: so gross it's actually <laughs> kind of gross it's just gross they got sammy hagar singing that song it's oh, gross. it is rough That's while gross. we've been talking i did remember this my parents my mom was a sammy hagar fan there I you go now so the first van halen record we had in the house was ou812 which is okay. also a terrible album title yeah they did that and they should not have done that. But uh, and I remember hearing, you know, when it's love and all that, like, yeah, over and over, like it was a, it was a thing. And I was like, I don't know about this. <laughs> but then I loved because, uh, you know, I yeah, I got hooked on dreams. It was yeah. a, it was a, and uh, that same live concert thing that you were talking about. They did. uh, what's, what's the song. Best of both worlds. I yeah. think yeah that's a great one that was a great one of that era yeah i i like that one too yeah that's a good one but they Um, do that weird like walking thing where they walk together like yeah van halen and hagar and uh michael anthony it's like what are you doing yeah (laughs) like there's people got really into there was like a phase where
0: it was like them and like genesis doing the walks Doing the walks and the ZZ top, you know, it's like, yep. guys, just stop it. Like, it's okay. You don't have to walk in, yeah. in sync together.
1: It's all right. Yeah. I, I don't have to do, uh, you know what? We got through moves. that phase and right. we're better because of it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Now we're sitting on the other side being like, man, I'm glad we did that. <laughs> I'm glad we survived the the,
0: right. the the syncopated walks of the 70s and 80s rock bands
1: right and if there's anybody listening who has never done this you should definitely youtube uh, a couple different van halen related things that people have put up over the years uh soloed out uh eddie van halen tracks from the studio oh yeah just him like cutting stuff like some of the classics live yeah and it's amazing to hear normally i'm like yeah whatever That stuff's amazing to hear just because you think of it, again, like this huge, you know, you think of their records, this huge wall of sound. It's literally just one, maybe two tracks of that guy doing that take and that's it. And it's amazing to hear like, oh, that's him turning his guitar up because he's coming in to do the solo right here. And then you hear it and you're like, wow, that was not an overdub. He just did that live. Yeah. (laughs) I'm glad Um, you mentioned that because in the video I
0: watched where he's walking around his studio with Chris Connolly, they get to a room and it's floor to ceiling. And I don't mean like, you know, eight foot ceiling. I mean like 10, 12 foot ceiling of tape. And um, so this would have probably been in the 90s. So he was talking about how they had tried to digitize it all and the computer crap the bed and uh, he couldn't get they couldn't get it off the hard drive you know and all this Ugh. stuff so he was like it's all just sitting here and Chris Connolly said exactly what I was thinking was well this is somebody's dream job is just right. going through this you know right and, I, and of course Eddie says yeah but the only one that knows what's good is me <laughs> and so right. it'll be interesting <laughs> to see how this you know how Van Halen stuff is sort of handled you know going right. forward You know, you're starting to see a lot of more, you know, you're starting to see all the, you know, the Tom Petty's and the Prince's, especially Prince. You're starting to see so much Prince stuff. And, you know, you wonder if now that sort of that, you know, very particular ear is gone. If you're going to start getting, you know, the 10 LP box set of from unlawful carnal
1: knowledge with every (laughs) with every drill solo. So, out for you, you know, here's Um, every version of dreams. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh,
0: Yeah. So maybe be careful what we wish for, but, um, correct. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I never really read up on, I guess the cancer diagnosis, but I know he was a heavy smoker, so I don't know if it was kind of an, Kind of a, an, an obvious relation to that or whatever. But, um, you know, hey, if you're smoking, stop smoking, please. Right. That's all I ask.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I think he had had, I think uh, Stacy and I were talking about this earlier. I think he had had like a couple of rounds of different forms of it before. Like yeah. the guy had had like a hip replacement at one point. Yeah, like I remember that. Yep. It's like, I mean, he had lived a life. Yeah. For sure. And so, yeah, I mean – Crazy. All that, all that uh,
0: syncopated in, that will lead to
1: a, a new hip. Right, you got to get a new hip. <laughs> that thing's gonna, it's gonna take your femur out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, it's still
1: sad to see. It's only sixty-five. I mean, that's young. It's crazy,
0: you know? Yes. that's young. So um, sad to see that uh, during this time, mostly because selfishly, I never saw them on tour, and I always right. thought I would heard rumors about them going out, and I was like, I'm gonna go. Like it doesn't matter, you know who's yeah who's doing what I just want to be there and and see it. I missed the Nashville show years ago when they came in for um, with David Lee Roth and played Bridgestone. I missed that. And so I kind of kicked myself over that one, but I mean, that thing sold out so fast, but um, right. uh, But yeah, so there's, you know, you, you kind of, when those opportunities go away, it's always kind of sad, but
1: indeed, but yeah. um,
0: So that being said, yep. I think we've, we've, added more records to the collection. So yep. um I think we've got time to zip through about four or five of them. Um I love that I was like, hey, do you want to talk in thirty minutes? And you're like, Great, let's do it. And I was like, Cool.
1: <laughs> but yeah. the
0: sad thing is I've been buying so much stuff. I'm like, cool, I'll just grab from this little pile and just go through the right. top four or five on these and then I'm good. So
1: <laughs> Yeah. Luckily I think I had the stuff that I would have wanted to talk about like handy because I've been listening to it for the last couple of days. So nice. Good. Lucky on me. I like your
0: research. I like you pulling this weight and not falling asleep during this episode. You're a good man. I'm awake. (laughs) This is what you get when Ford's awake. What you get when I'm awake is the, uh, the, the hard hitting facts of 1995 followed 1994.
1: (laughs) Correct. Pinpoint accuracy is our strong suit. (laughs) <laughs> Move over, Geraldo. I got this. Here we go. We're both growing mustaches. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's time. Uh, all right. Well, now that we've referenced Geraldo in a
1: Aaron Colling rep- episode, right. <laughs> you go first. All righty. Um, first up, uh, Archie Shepp, Fire Music, um, originally released 1965 on the... Legendary Impulse records. Um, this is... I believe this is his second record, maybe, as a leader. could be his third. As a leader for Impulse, um, famously brought into the Impulse fold through Coltrane. Kind of like... Uh, mentored, if you will, by Coltrane. Archie Shep was. He played with him in a different couple of different contexts and in, in Coltrane's band and things like that. This is uh, Archie Shepp with a crazy band. Let me see if I can see who all's on here. It's got he's got uh, Ted Kirsten, Joseph Orange, Marion Brown, Reggie Johnson and Joe Chambers. Uh, at some points he also has another drummer and another bass player. So it's one of those where it has an expanding, uh, lineup of folks. It is decidedly free in its approach. Um, (laughs) It's it's free. Uh, it is not, you know, as free as like some of the stuff that I have reported on, like, uh, Cecil Taylor stuff or something like that. Um, but it is, it is definitely, uh, loosely arranged, if you will. And uh, it's great. It is, uh, I listen to, I think, two thirds of it because the first side is like two tracks because <laughs> they're both pretty wow. long. Yeah. Um, but it's great. It's, uh, these guys are playing, uh, they are playing on fire. It's true. Um, and Joe Chambers is a drummer who is not, I don't, I mean, Normally you don't associate him with the free stuff. You associate him with like uh, Miles Davisy things and like more mellow things. So it's fun to hear somebody like that, like who is in the middle of this like exploding free jazz scene, like on a date like this. So yeah, it's really good. Check it nice. out. This was like a vital vinyl reissue, which is, uh, I think Verve did. So they took some extra care with their, mastering and things like that okay. yeah sounds great i was i don't think i've told you about this
0: um that i found but i was in murphy's at the great escape out there and i'm walking in and i look up on the wall and i was like eh, i kind of scanned it and i was like wait i recognize that cover uh-huh. and uh i had been thinking about finding this album for like weeks Um, Mm -hmm. and I've, I've had the CD version forever, man. I can't remember if we already did this one or not. It'd be embarrassing. If I did, it'll be like the 94 to 95. Um, (laughs) uh, did I, did I tell you about getting the Lassie foundations Pacifico? Uh,
1: no, you did not. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Nice. So, um, Lassie foundation, which is the, uh, Wayne Everett and Eric Capuzano that are mostly, uh, mostly known from, uh, prayer chain. Uh, kind of early CCM yep. rock kind of stuff. But um, this, uh, I think this came out in like 90, hold on, I'm looking, 99. So yeah. um, super like shoegazy, just kind of, you know, noisy little pop album. But I had the CD, I've had it for forever and I can't find it. And I, and I thought, man, there's gotta be a copy of this record. You know, or, I wonder if it's ever been reissued. And it right. has, but it's pretty expensive on Discogs. So, uh, but I found it there and it was still sealed. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So um, I'm very, very happy to have that one. It's, it's been fun to kind of catch up and listen to that one. I used to listen to that all the time when I had right. the CDs. So
1: yeah. Yeah. I remember that one being a, uh, and, and those two dudes also wound up in Starfly, right? Weren't they? Yeah. The rhythm section? yeah they
0: both kind of been in and out. I think it's yeah. like. And I think even like Jason from Starflyers played in and Lassie Foundation. Like I think they all just play yeah. together all the time. You know what I mean? Right. So, but um, yeah, so it's kind of that whole California, you know, shoegazy type um, jams. But um, very excited to find that. Um, nice, especially just in Murfreesboro. But supposedly, they also had two copies of Starflyer records there. Um, oh wow! Well. And that was the big the big thing going around but they were they were like 150 bucks
1: <laughs> oof which ones were they
0: uh everybody talks to strangers maybe and then mm-hmm. singing voice versus talking voice maybe ah. like, the ones that aren't very uh available or probably right uh in the in the era of getting reissued just yet sure you know so um yeah yeah
1: but um i was excited to find that one that's a good snag. Yeah. Um I got uh this uh new numero group comp, uh basement beehive, the girl group underground. Um oh yeah, that's good. Yes. Uh I'd gone through a couple of times when I saw it uh coming out. Uh gone through and listening to it. The C D version is like I think it's two discs on C D and it's 56 tracks. <laughs> wow. The uh, double LP is 28. The like first 28 of those. So I have a feeling of someone, it might be like a volume two um, yeah. knowing numero group. Cause that's kind of a thing that they would do. It is a, a collection of uh girl group jams from the sixties that were, it's basically like folks who were on the fringe or the cusp of getting popular or, put out one or two singles because they were on some tiny label or a subsidiary label of a larger label and yeah. like Detroit or Chicago or LA. Uh, there's in Miami even. Um, and it's kind of testament to the fact that some of these groups were every bit as good, if not better than some of the stuff that you heard yeah. uh, widely released. Um, and it's, Awesome. This is the thing that I love the Numero group about or for because they will put out stuff like this because these are always fun to get Um, and they package them beautifully. Uh, This thing comes with like a 20 page like book with a breakdown of every song and Mm -hmm. artwork for all of them and all that. Um, But uh, yeah, it's great. They did a great job packaging. uh, Sound quality is great years ago um, yeah. i bought a like all girl group
0: compilation it was like four cd's or something it came in like a little hat box like a little mm-hmm. uh, uh oh, yeah. hat box yep and for me like it's sort of like the nuggets box set it's it's so interesting to hear all those very regional regional labels putting out you know really great five probably, probably just 45s at the time right. just to get on radio and You know, there's such a time capsule because a lot of those groups didn't go on to make full-length records. They didn't last that long. Right. They didn't. They didn't get a long enough shot. But when you go back and listen to the songs, to your point, they're just as good as intriguing as some of the big hits. And yeah, um, like kudos to the people that go through and find all those and, 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 you know, whittle them down and say, here's, you know, here's a bunch of great songs you've never heard uh, for, right. for whatever reason, you know, um, yeah. during that time, they may have been a big regional hit, but never made it nationally, you know? So, yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, I was, I was expecting it to be like, I was like, okay, well, there'll probably be like 10 songs out of the 28 on here that are like real good. And I'll be like, yeah, whatever. I'll just listen to it i'll stream it or maybe buy it digital or whatever and then i was like i listened to the thing i was like no these are all great like they're all good like you can hear certain things that you recognize and like weird like from like a sample on like an obscure hip-hop track here and there like you can tell somebody dug and dug and dug for like that guitar line or whatever um so some of that stuff's in there and it's fun To have you know, because they were regional, it's fun to see the like, you know, this member went on to be in this band, which then put out this song later, and that's the one that you know, but you just don't know that they were in this other thing, and then, you know, we're giving you that song, so it's fun. Um, I picked up. (laughs) So,
0: I, you know, you think about like sometimes I just buy stuff, and I'm like, you know. I don't know that I was really dying to have that, but it's such a, you know, it's such a, it recalls such a particular time in my life that it feels great to have it. But, um, <laughs> yep. so I got the Ritual De Lo Habitual, uh, Jane's Addiction 30th nice. anniversary, uh, reissue. 30. Man, that's, that's a long time. Um, it's a double LP, it's a pearl colored vinyl, whatever that means. Mm. Um, I will say it's a bit annoying because, and I think this is how it is with most like nineties albums being reissued, you know, like the first side, like side A is just two songs, then <laughs> you have to flip right it, you know like <laughs> right everybody's songs were so long, and all the you know nothing was mastered for an l p back then, so you know you've to you keep everything in order, sometimes you have a the third song is seven minute third you know you know the the third and fourth songs are so long that you have to kind of re you know you know you can't right. really resequence it but it just makes pressing it a nightmare but um so yeah so it, it kind of requires some uh, up and down when playing it but um but it's it sounds great it's you know jane's addiction for me is one of those bands that didn't age well for me in terms right. of sort of some of their later albums but i also think too i was kind of just growing out of what they were doing but um but I was listening to um, – I was also listening to the one that came out before this. Uh, was it oh, Nothing yeah. Shocking? Um, yeah. And, you know, for the band that they were, they really did have sort of like a weird – I mean, you, there, there was no other band that sounded like them. You know what right. I mean? Um, and even though it didn't – to me, again, it really didn't kind of age well. Uh, with some of their later stuff like these these couple records i remember like i remember seeing the video for been caught stealing (laughs) it was just like (laughs) right what is
1: this yes you know it was
0: so it felt like it came from mars you know yeah um and i think again when i saw the reissue out the other day i didn't even really know about it i just happened to be um, at Vinyl Tap and, I, and uh, Todd was playing it and he had it propped up and I was like, oh man, I got to get that. And he was like, was yep. my last one. And I was like, cool, I'll just get it. You know, but yeah. um,
1: it, it was it was fun to, fun to bring it home and play for sure. Nice, yeah. I mean, not to be a full circle guy, but I feel like of all of the bands that started the quote unquote alternative thing, of blazing, they were the one who were probably the most influenced by Van Halen. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's I mean, there's like, like when you hear like the mountain song or something like that, you're like, that could have been a Van Halen jam, right? Yeah. Like, that's a good point. I mean, some of them, not all of them. Like, yeah. I don't think caught, been caught stealing could have been a Van Halen song. Although yeah. maybe a David Lee Roth post Van Halen song. <laughs> 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 he probably would have done the song like that. <laughs> yeah. probably would have. <laughs> that's like track one. Then track two is Yankee Rose. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, they always. I I agree. Like they were, they were definitely like. They were on that weird cusp of like our, where something is happening and it's shifting and it's no longer. Hair metal thing, pop metal, whatever. Yeah, it's it's going into another thing, but it hasn't quite tipped all the way over yet. Band like they were that band. They were just more alternative like they they were truly kind of
0: alternative because they were like you've got all those like weird like (laughs) drums
1: all that (laughs) percussion going on lots of drums
0: what is this weird stuff going on but yeah um, but yeah so it's it's kind of fun to have
1: that and, and nice relive it um i think I got this. I think you have this. I think everybody that I know in the world has this at this point. Uh, This new idols record, ultra mono. Um, It is real good. Uh, A lot of times people tell me about records and I'll be honest. I'm like, man, I don't know. (laughs) And I, or like if, if like 10 people tell me about it, I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. Uh, This one I kept hearing about and hearing about and, I took the plunge and listened and was like, yeah, that's good. Dude, um, I heard
0: about them like 10 times in one day. Yeah, it's crazy. It was just so strange. It was sort of like it wasn't over a week or whatever. Right. It just kept popping up. I was like, fine, right. I'll listen. <laughs> I know.
1: I was like, okay, is this really all <laughs> no, that? I was like,
0: whoa, this is like the European Jesus lizard.
1: <laughs> is, it is, it is kind of nuts. Like yeah. uh, it is. I would definitely say it's a record of it's, and I don't think this can be said of every record, but it's a record of a time for sure. Like it's music about a very specific moment, dealing with issues I think that are of of this very present moment uh, lyrically. And uh, but I also think ten years from now I'm still going to be listening to it. It's it's really it's great. It's
0: Interesting. I read, um, you know, that first song just
1: is like a burner. Uh, of yeah.
0: War. And it really yeah. does sound like Jesus Lizard. It's just like it, with all the weird vocal things that he liked to yeah. ching, ching, ching. You know, whatever. So <laughs> crazy. And but then the next song kind of has like a up and down kind of um it kind of an interesting, different vibe to it. And yep. I, I read about it a little bit and they said that they that you know, their their intent was to kind of have like a hip hop production feel to some right. of those songs. And you can yeah. kind of feel that where it's that um sort of um i mean i hate to say like rage against the machine because it's not but it's that right kind of like rhythmic in and out like lots of um lots of dynamics so and but it's still like when it hits you in the face you're just like man (laughs) this is insane (laughs) it's
1: it's been a while since you've heard
0: a record like that it's been it has been a long while well a record like that that's got enough melody to keep you wanting to listen right. if that makes sense right. there's definitely a lot of you know loud just kind of angry punk stuff floating around that's that's yep. always kind of fun to give a couple spins but this was just
1: i mean yeah, yeah it's, it's it's weirdly it's catchy so great.
0: Uh, i actually Ozzy. bought the yeah so Ozzy loves
1: it well he he uh we were listening in the car the other day and he started the second song grounds that you're just yeah. talking about he's listening, yeah. he's listening he's listening he's repeating every last lyric and uh which is great until he actually repeated the swearing parts too yes. <laughs> i was yep. like oh yeah don't react Oops. Yep. <laughs> but it was great he's like so happy like yeah i loved it i actually bought uh i bought like the cassette copy of it i saw like, that it'd
0: be be fun to have like the little loud punky version of it and um, <laughs> it's, it's right up there with it I will probably yeah. eventually end up getting the LP copy of it too
1: but yeah, yeah. it's a great record highly recommended and, yes and it's also uh, I know if you can find they put out a colored version like not the deluxe version but there's like a colored vinyl version it's the same color same price as the the regular black too if you find it yeah, just uh, just, a, just a thing I did not get it because they did not have it where I was getting it but anyways yeah, it's good. Um, you should check it out.
0: So okay, let's talk about Record Store Day because I've been sort yep. of—I was sort of poo-pooing on the second drop, and I was like, "Man, there's nothing in there." <laughs> uh, so I just didn't even really pay attention. And then yep. I go in uh, the day after Record Store Day, and I'm just looking to see what's over, and I completely missed that uh, they reissued. Um, this album that I've been looking for for forever. It's called, uh, it's by a band called The
1: Hot Rats. Yep.
0: Which is the two guys from Supergrass.
1: Yeah, we talked about and it in on like basically... episode one or two, I think. Did we? Did we? I we yeah, did. I think maybe. Yeah. And You're
0: talking about they, Zappa, yeah. Uh, they do, it's all covers. So they, they do um, I Can't Stand It, Big Sky, um, They Do The, Chris, the Crystal Ship, um, Love is the Drug, uh, Pump It Up. I mean, all kind of stuff. The love cats, EMI, uh, they have mirror in the bathroom, which is kind of fun. But the yeah. one that gets me every time is, um, their cover for, you got to fight for your right to party by the Beastie boys. <laughs> I just love it so much. And honestly, like if, if the world ever gets back to normal and I get to DJ again, like, I can't wait to play, uh, to play that because every time I played it for someone, they're like, this shouldn't work, but it works really well because right. it's just sort of like a, it sounds like Supergrass and in the beastie Boys song. It's, Really, really nice and catchy. My only, my only beef, if there is one, is that it's a uh, double ten inch. Yeah, you hate that. Yeah, I mean, I'm you not, hate the ten inch. Where, where, where do I put it? What bag does it go in? <laughs> where does it yep. How do you do this? Right, uh, which means it must have just been slightly uh, too long for right uh you know one lp or you know or too long for one lp but not long enough for a double lp but yeah, yeah. not not super excited about the 10 but <laughs> i'll survive i'll survive i'm right. being petty but um if yeah, you like right. if you like the idea of supergrass covering uh great songs like <laughs> mirror in the bathroom drive my yeah. car by the beatles you know yeah. uh you know like i said love cats by cure like just
1: lots of fun stuff to to listen to Yeah, I feel like with these Record Store Day drops, I feel like sort of what I've seen happening now that we've done the two of them is like the stuff's coming out, but then there's also the other, like there's the RSD stuff that's coming out. And then there's like all the other people that are putting things out as well right around there. And then I feel like it's, it's easy to miss certain things because everything is just dropping at one shot. And well, because it's happening in the summer, like everybody's yeah. putting out records in the summer, so. <laughs> well,
0: we could have a whole episode about this, but right here, here it is for me. I'll break it down real simple.
1: Yep, you've got Bandcamp
0: for in a month. You've got a Bandcamp right. Friday. You've got regular releases every Friday. You've got you know so brand new music coming out on Fridays. You've got new reissues coming out on Fridays, yep. and then one Saturday, and there you got record store day. I mean. It kind of hurts lot. the wallet, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I It's gotta hurt. And I was just like, ooh,
1: yeah. I mean, I've, I gotta feel like also at some point I haven't asked like Chaz or anybody here about it, but um, <clears throat> I gotta feel like at some point, like with all of that in a thing, it it might wind up even hurting the stores because people are gonna be like, oh, I'll just do Bandcamp Friday this time and not the yeah. record store day, or I'll do just record store day, and then it, you know it's like. I can't imagine there's enough dollars to go around for all of it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> although it's kind of weird. Cause a lot of the, you know, nerdy buyers like myself, you know, sure. we're finding, you know, my insane, you know, transportation gas bill has been non-existent for six months. Do you know what right. I mean? So <laughs> exactly. You know, True. that's, that's gone towards, you know, a record here and there, you know, instead of a tank right. of gas, you know, so, yep. um, you know, I think, If people want it bad enough, they'll, they'll zip out and get it. Um, I do think there will be a lot left over. I've seen a lot of like, like a notorious BIG box set that, you know, it seems, you know, it's like $80 or something. I think those are going to be the ones that linger around for a while, but, um, but they just announced black Friday too. So, um, (laughs) you know, I haven't looked at it, but it's just like, Oh man. All right. You know,
1: so yep, here we go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, your turn. Yep, um, I got a copy of Midnight Oils, Diesel, and Dust, Uh um, which is, uh, I guess you would say, is the big one for them. Uh, As Beds Are Burning on it, Uh, the Dead Heart is the other big single, and then Sometimes, which closes out the record, which is really as much as I love those other two songs. Sometimes is the one I think that made me like a believer because I saw they had a record called and Blue Live that came out and they put a video out of them playing sometimes live. And it's pretty amazing. Like the version that they captured is real good. Um, and that was the song that like, I was like, okay, I'm a fan. Um, this is uh, Canadian Pressing, uh, which, you know, if you read various reports, Canadian Pressings can be the worst thing you've ever heard, or the best thing you've ever heard, depending on who is talking. Which is why why you should just never research them on the internet, right? I'm like, this is <laughs> this is ridiculous. Like, you can say that about anything. Uh, um, it's like
0: gear, it's like reading stereo gear reviews. You know, right. It's Like, I don't know what it means that you can the the right. sound is flowery. What is that good right. or bad?
1: So, what is that? What is that? Yeah. <laughs> what is that? Um. Uh. So yeah, don't go down the rabbit hole of that. I just wanted to see like, is there. Uh, a noticeable difference. Uh, They're apparently, again, most people say no, there is not. Um, This thing is about as clean as it gets. Uh, It seems like somebody probably bought this because they heard Beds Are Burning and played it twice and then put it away. Yep. Um, Which is fair. Uh, It's not for everybody, but it's uh, a really good record and it sounds great. Um, It's one that I've looked for for a little while, which it's surprising that they're kind of they're not rare, but they're not like everywhere either. But uh, which I was kind of shocked about. But um, yeah, it's good. Okay, nice and clean. I, speaking of
0: records that don't feel like they should be rare. Yep. So I'm doing a records show, and uh, there's an outdoor, you know, socially distanced, appropriate masks. Oh yeah, yeah required yeah. Uh, outdoor show October 25th. Here in Nashville, it will be interesting based on the weather. So my friend and I are going to do it together. So I've been going through this collection I bought and just throwing Mm -hmm. records in there because I'm hoping, you know, a lot of it's like $3, $4, $5, you know, it's, you know, a lot of things that's really kind of cumbersome to put up, you know, on, you know, on discogs or whatever, or, or just kind of sits there forever until the right person comes along and buys like six at once, you know? (laughs) Um, So I was like, well, maybe I can just put all these together for this show. Well, do you remember those two Oingo Boingo records I sent you? And I was yes. like, are you into Oingo Boingo? And you're like, not really. Yeah. I looked those up. Like, I the, medi- been. the median <laughs> price on those are like $20 each.
1: It's crazy, right?
0: Yeah. And I was like, what? So I priced it's... them at like 20 bucks. That's so it's like, weird.
1: And you will get it. I guarantee it. You will get it. Yeah, I'm sure somebody's going to be like, holy crap. There's these two Oingo Boingo records. I never thought I'd find them. You know? Right. Like, why? Uh, I mean, I don't understand why... I mean, Lingo Boingo. I guess it's because these bands were like, I mean, Midnight Oil is definitely in this in in the U in the U.S. I mean, yeah. Lingo Boingo is a U.S. band, but I, I guarantee they're probably more popular in the U.K. and yep. maybe in the U.S. you don't find them that often because they're both bands that were either popular somewhere else or they just weren't popular enough to press a blue zillion of them I and think they press like yeah
0: right
1: they press like under the like whatever the giant limit was <laughs> at the time because i mean this is like uh let's see diesel and dust was like 87 yeah so i mean it's like right in that moment of we're probably going to start cutting back anyways
0: yeah we're we're just going with cds at this point
1: <laughs> right. or what, cassettes uh, i guess right and the you know the the boingo records i mean yeah it seems crazy but at the same time it's like you had to really be into those bands to get those records like yeah yeah uh, anyway i thought that was strange it's dead man's
0: party and then there's another one
1: and that's probably the 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 big one
0: yeah so i i thought dead man's party i was like okay well that makes sense you know right People are probably like, man, I'd really love to hear Oingo Boingo, and I like, can't find it, right? <laughs> but then the second one, I think it's a second one, whatever that is. I, I would, I don't know. Yeah, I, It was priced high, too. And I was like, wow, well, that's a surprise. Um, wow. So nice. my next one is um, the, the new uh, re- reissue of Prince's Sign of the Times. Uh, um, yes, this is on my and list. And the double LP, I have to say... I love Prince's music, but his recording techniques can be a bit harsh. I think right, uh, right. on the ears, very, very trebly. Mm-hmm. Um, it always felt like he got, he had his sound and he stuck with it and that's great. Yep. But like this to me, if you're a Prince fan, it's totally worth getting because I think they've really kind of gone in and uh, remixed and remastered it to give it that bass that it never had. and, right. I put this on my system and I was like, holy cow, you know, like, there yeah. it is. Um, yeah, very excited about it. I have, a, I so my stupid print story that actually turned out to be okay is I got totally caught up in the moment when they read <laughs> when they re released the seven inch box set. Of I this. remember this. I remember this so text. They, so it was the 45 <laughs> box. It was only 190. It was 1,987 of them made, you know, 1987. Correct. And, uh, it was Third Man and Prince's Estate. Well, I saw it on Third Man's uh, Instagram account, and I was like, oh, you know, I don't know why. I was like, oh, I got to buy it, and then <laughs> it was sold out, and then I went on Prince's website. It was still there, so I bought it on Prince's website. Well, it was $100, and then I was like, this is so dumb. Like, when am I going to sit down and flip? Right. Well, I If I want to hear Sign of the Times, I don't want to have to flip. 745's over. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's very silly. And they all came in like the, the original uh, yep. uh pi- picture sleeves, whatever. I mean, so so I got it in the mail and I okay, so I then I just so then I ordered the 2 LP version. I'm like, I'm an idiot. Right. You know what I mean? Like I've spent probably $150 <laughs> on one Prince album. Right. So uh so the box that arrives in the mail, I get it, and I look at it and I'm like, well, this is cool, but I just set it to the side. You know what I mean? And I was like – I just right. kept it in the box and everything. I was like, just set it to the side. And, uh, and I was like, I'm not going to listen to it. I'll just wait till my double LP version shows up. Well, so I had to go to the dentist that same week. And so I'm leaving, and they're like, it'll be $300. And I was like, dang it. you know? <laughs> so I get home, and I'm entering stuff into Discogs. And I'm like, well, I'm entering this Prince box set. Well, they're all listed at $500. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so I'm like, that's dumb. So I was like, cool. So I was like, well, I just had to spend $300 with Dennis. I'm just going to put mine up for $300 and see what happens. It sold in an hour <laughs> to a guy in uh, Paris, I think, it was <laughs> where it ended up going. Wow. So he's freaking out. He's sending me a message to Discogs. He's like, this is the most expensive record I've ever bought. Like, how does it get tracked? Like, how do we do shipping? And I was like, I don't know, you know? And so I told him, yeah. I was like, Dude, I think you should buy the most expensive shipping you can, like international priority, like with tracking, whatever, right. which is what he did, which was great. So I just put it back in the box. It was shipped to me and shipped it off to him and he got it and absolutely loved it. I mean, I had never even opened it to look at it, but I was like, OK, I guess that worked out OK. that My, yeah. my intent was definitely not to flip it, but, you know, you, you know, it's like. Henry Rollins says you should, you know, work out doing 45s. You do push-ups on side one and then get up, flip it, do push-ups on side two. I would be dead by the
1: time Sign of the Times was over via 45s. (laughs) Right. I've seen the, I've seen the, uh, they have the like four LP guy that has the like singles on 12 inch. Basically it's like all the single mixes and all that. I've thought about that one, but I'm also like, when you look at the track listing, it's like, five versions of the same song you know yeah i love that he did that but i know i've been down this road with his stuff and it's like i don't know that any of it is so different from the version you just heard that you'd be like man that's the one you know it's a good point good point but But if you're
0: uh if you're a prince fan and you like sign of times and you've been kind of waffling on the reissue it's uh from a audible perspective i've very much enjoyed it because even like if you want to spend you know if you're djing and you want to spend prince it's always you got to kind of boost the bass a lot there's always a big difference between prince records and other people's records so um excited that this one's kind of back up in there so
1: and that one is far and away my favorite prince record yeah that is the one for me
0: i love uh i have a soft spot for diamonds and pearls but that's Mm. sort of a weird yep a, a weird, uh, that's sort of a weird Prince time.
1: It's a good one. It was a good yeah. one. Um, we got one more? One more yeah, one? let's do one okay. more. Uh, so keeping it in the great continent of Australia, uh, the church starfish, uh, which is something I've been looking for uh, for a little bit, um, famously has uh, Under the Milky Way on it. Yep. Um, also has a song called reptile which was another single off of that record um, this one still in the shrink uh, with a tower records 699 sticker on it <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> which I did not play pay 699 for it yeah. um, but uh yeah it's great like dreamy uh, shoegazy sort of uh, pop rock of I believe it's came out in either 86 or 87 as well yeah. Yeah. um which apparently was the moment at which uh australians took over the world because midnight oil NXS, yeah, uh the in church case. all these yeah. all these kids were like top of the charts yep. everywhere pretty much um yep. which is kind of crazy but uh it was really good music and uh yeah it's it's uh famously Of course, Under the Milky Way is in uh, Donnie Darko at a point. Um, I have always loved that song, and it's great to have it on wax. I had it on CD, uh, and, I mean, given the time that it was recorded, it's not a bad recording on CD either, but uh, the old vinyl version is real nice. Uh, Interesting note, uh, right after this came into my possession, uh, Intervention Records, who I got... uh, their reissue of Matthew sweet's girlfriend. Um, right. They are putting out a double disc version of starfish. <laughs> oh, funny. Yeah. Yeah. Which has like, you know, a whole disc of extra stuff, but I'm like, it's one of those where you're like, I kind of think they put all the goodness on, yeah, it was right on there. the record. Like, yeah. I think that was, I think it's one of those records. It's just like, yep, there you go. That's the yeah. one. And uh, yeah. so, you know, if you're looking for it out there, it's it's not cheap to get that reissue. I think it's like forty bucks, but yeah, um, well, that's what every record costs now, I think. Right, and uh, I think this one was like twenty something, so snagged it for a pretty good price. Good. Yeah, it's it's another one of those that like I didn't think would be as rare to discover as it is, but it's like their earlier records. I think you you know because of the amounts pressed again are easier to find than like this one yeah
0: (laughs) so there you go my last one uh came in the mail last week and uh i've been listening to it online for a bit but um it's the new mets record atlas Mm. ending um yep so mets m-e-t-z i just think mets is like the most underrated rock band around it right people don't talk about them and it's i mean their last record especially just felt like i mean they did it with beanie and it's just i love it like yeah ecstatic piece i think it's what it's called i listen to it all the time it's like just amazing it, it's almost like it sounds weird but it's almost like what in utero You know what I mean? It's almost like In Utero Junior. You know, it's just this great, really noisy uh, record with a lot of great melodies behind it. The new album, uh, Atlas Vending. the The feeling I'm getting is they kind of want to be less of like an in-your-face sort of loud punk band, than more of sort of a let's drag this out into four minutes um, and throw the occasional one and a half minute one in there. So. What I enjoy about that is you, you're kind of getting lost in the sonics of this four-minute song, and then they hit you with a really catchy minute and a half jam, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, so this is the Loser Edition, um, and it's like which crazy is, uh, melty silver or something, right? Probably the last one I got. It doesn't say on the front, and I, I here I'm pulling. I'm looking. I am looking at it right now. All right. Um, yeah, it's like a, yeah, Stargaze, sort of. You know, yeah. I don't know how they come up with the names. It's You know, like, some of the vinyl <laughs> color names are, like, the names that they have for, um, you know, paint, you know? Right. It's like, well, yeah. how did you come up with that for, for pink, yeah. you know? But yeah. uh, it's, it's kind of a clear, marbled clear, that's what yeah. I would say. But uh, sort of like the Jane's Addiction that says Pearl, like, there's yeah. a big argument on the Discogs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> a listing of whether or not it's actually Pearl or just marble, But anyway, um, the, uh, I-, I saw it get announced on Bandcamp on one of the Bandcamp Fridays and picked it up right away. So I'm nice. um, excited that it's here and looking forward to listening to it. It's as you know, one of those records that it's kind of, I love having it. It's best for like driving because it's not every day. You can be like, how's everyone's day going? Let's listen to some Mets, <laughs> you know? Right. So, like, uh, right. It's hard to kind of find time to put it on the turntable uh, and blare it, you know, blast it too loud uh, with the fam, yep. and not not chase everyone out of the room, dogs included. But um, yeah, <laughs> but great band. Um, I've actually never seen them live, so they're kind of on my short list for for bands that I want to see when once the world gets back to normal. Um, nice. Whenever that'll be. So right. but <laughs> Yeah. Nice little batch. Nice little batch awesome. of stuff there. Yeah. So, but. We did good. We did good. So, um, I yeah, I think that wraps it up for today, I guess. Um, hopefully no one will die for our next episode. But,
1: right. Uh, right. <laughs> That's everyone horrible. everyone, be cool. Just be yeah. cool. Just be cool. Wear a yeah. mask. <laughs> be cool,
0: wear a mask, and, uh, you know, don't smoke. That's it. Right. Done. Those are, those
1: are our PSAs for the day. <laughs> the, the more you done. know. <laughs> 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 All right, man. Well,
0: uh, I think we'll wrap it up this one, and um, yeah. we'll talk again soon. All right, brother. Uh, bye. Bye.